Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome to Clash of the Titles, the podcast that pits two movies with something in common in a fight to the death to see which one comes out victorious. This week in the red corner, it's not easy to make an entire generation fall in love with a waddling turd that glows, but Steven Spielberg managed it. We're looking at 1982's blockbusting classic, E.T. While in the blue corner, with the unenviable task of taking on that cinematic behemoth, Vin Diesel gets in some early practice for his stint as a talking tree by playing a giant talking murder bot from 1999. It's the Iron Giant. He's lost. He's alone. And he's three million light years from home. I'm keeping him. Steven Spielberg's masterpiece. Ah. Wait, what is it? I don't know. Something scary. The wonder. What's happening? The call. E.D. Phone home. That started it all. So, I guess you're not going to hurt me, huh? My own giant robot, I am the luckiest kid in America! Where'd he come from? He doesn't remember. He's like a little kid. Little, yeah. <laughs> so, Waddle Turd versus Kill Machine, which film will be victorious? Let battle commence! It's Clash of the Titles. the Kraken. Hello, Clash Potters. I'm Vicky Crompton. I'm Chris Tilly. And I'm Alex. Shut up, Greg. Zane, how was your holiday? <laughs> it was good. Very relaxing. Uh, got some sun, read some film books, did some prep for Clash of the Titles. Mm-hmm. It was lovely. So basically, your regular week with added yeah. sun. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and how was Georgina about that? Because I've been in trouble before. I don't know if you get this, where you go on holiday and you work on your laptop. Like, remember when we were doing a different format for this show and I edited it myself? Yeah. I spent five days editing that first episode as I was getting used to Adobe Audition Mm. and I got into a lot of trouble. Mm. (laughs) It's not how you're meant to spend your holiday. What were you supposed to be doing? Being quiet (laughs) and sitting in the sun. I'm like, I'm doing exactly what I would be doing. I'm sitting in the sun. I'm just also... Busy. Yeah. (laughs) It's just the concept of bringing work with you, whatever that is, no matter what shape it takes, Mm -hmm. that has to stay at home. And I do agree with that now. I'm not taking any work when I go away in a couple of weeks, which I should tell you about because I'm not here for a show. Thought I'd do it on air. Cool. Cool. So you do look beautiful, though. Thank you. Because we had a 
tweet, didn't we, the other day come in where, why does everyone have a tan but Chris? <laughs> yeah, that's why I went on holiday. <laughs> really? I say mine is 99% bronzer, so there's nothing underneath this. We all look great. That's the bottom. Is that true? <laughs> right, okay. That's what I was building up to. A little bit of self congratulation to start the episode. So, Chris's choices this week. What's she thinking? Uh, I wanted to do ET, and we've been trying to figure out what to do ET with. And we were talking about Mac and me at one point, but I don't think you can get Mac and me very easily in the UK. Not legally. No, and I don't. I think I'm the only person that's seen it who hasn't seen it. So it's. I've seen it. I've seen it. You've seen Mac and Me. Yeah, yeah. of course. Guess what though? We should have done it. I haven't seen ET. <laughs> no, you haven't seen ET. Good point. I just wanted to get that in now. It used. I didn't. You say how's anything going to live up to Mac and Me? <laughs> What's so the point? I'll probably give it a miss. I've basically yeah. seen the better version. Yeah, I'll swear it. Um, and then when I was researching Ready Player One. Uh, I read an interview with Brad Bird where he said the Iron Giant was his ET and I hadn't made the connection, so I've been waiting since then. And you gave us a clue on last week's show that I read out loud, which was... Ah, Boy's Best Friend. Correct. You followed that up on Twitter with... One of these films made a lot of money and one of them didn't. Correct. (laughs) (laughs) Holiday. (laughs) Hey, how did it work? Well, we're going to go into that. That's a very good question. I'm glad you brought it up. Uh, so the answers phoned home if home was our Twitter at ClashPod and phone was typing a response. We had a lot of suggestions for E.T. versus Mac and me. Mm. But I do think there are other things we can do Mac and me for. Just because sure. we haven't done it now, mm-hmm. it's not dead in the water. No, definitely not. We need it to be released on Amazon or something. Yeah, it's it's good. It'll, it'll come back around. We can't, we can't in good conscience, especially not with Mr. Anti-Piracy sitting over here, <laughs> tell you to find it illegally. So we're not doing Mac and Me. Um, a few uh, guesses for Psycho and the Psycho remake, mm. which does work for the clues. It does. It does. But, but I think I've said before, if we ever did that, we would just replay the first episode twice and, and <laughs> cut and replace a few yeah. names. Which would be brilliant. <laughs> Uh, but the winner this week is Matt T. And despite you phoning in your clue from abroad, Chris, we only got one right answer. Nailed it. Which means... It's a good clue. It's a good clue. <laughs> it's a good clue. Uh, so, Matt, a uh, big congratulations to you. Your prize is a ticket to the immersive E.T. experience. It involves drinking beer at home with me in our dressing gowns, watching daytime TV and then passing out. I can't <laughs> wait to meet you. The connection section... There are loads. Tons and tons. I'll start Spielberg. Uh, He was the one who gave Brad Bird the big break that got him into the Iron Giant in the first place. And then obviously he used the Iron Giant in, as you just mentioned, Ready Player One. Very good. Do a bunch, Vicky. Sure, are you ready? Okay, Mom, I found a creature, but you're too stressed to believe me. Chloroform is weirdly in both of them. Deer in both of them. It's a him, not an it. Not sure why. Body language mirroring. Hide it in the shed. It can heal. Um, A Boy's Life, the magazine, and it was also the name of E.T., at one point. There you go. Okay. Go I'll, I'll add to you, your list because uh, actually I don't think you've got the ones I've got considering that was a lot. That's Absent a lot. fathers teaching the creature to talk. Mm-hmm. Neither film wastes any time in introducing the creature. It's in the very first opening scene. The army and government are not your friends. Mm-hmm. Kids telling their extraterrestrial friend, I love you. Yeah. Tempting the creature with foodstuffs, corrugated iron and Reese's Pieces. Mm. Same nutritional value. And <laughs> here's my favourite. Eating cars. I've got that one. E.T. puts a car in his mouth. The Iron oh, Giant, yeah. obviously. God, yeah. Stuffs his face with the things. All right, I've got a few. Searching backyard with a torch. Mirroring. Um, watching old science fiction on the telly. Uh, aliens who can fly. 
your pet alien coming back to life. Um, and sort of an overarching theme of both movies is uh, an irresponsible kid becoming an adult or a child becoming a parent. Right. So a lot. Yeah. We've got a lot. We do. So on Thursday, I'll be tickling the Iron Giant, which means today Vicky is dealing with the one and only ETV Takers on a Journey. The consequences of rising divorce rates in the late 20th century are multifaceted. Seismic changes in domestic arrangements and the labour market, traditional patriarchal power and influence upended, stressed children, the dissolution of bedrock norms and mores versus sexual and social, emancipation and choice for consenting adults, and a pretty slow film about a vulnerable boy befriending an alien voiced by a chain smoker becoming a total mega smash leaving a cultural footprint far larger than it deserves, maybe question mark? Ooh, I like it. <laughs> All I'm saying is, E.T. phone home. There's no metaphor there. He just wants to literally phone home and everyone has lost their goddamn mind over it. But anyway, because of the sledgehammer of raw emotion that is Henry Thomas and how he managed to capture the angst of every child of divorce ever, a story about an alien that is here by accident, does nothing useful for humanity and wants <laughs> to leave and then does, is the fourth most successful film ever the end. Wow. There we, go. there we go. That is adjusted for inflation, though, that final statistic. It's I not, imagine it's so. It's no longer the fourth biggest movie ever. Who knows? I, I think the top four movies... Marvel films. Are Marvel films <laughs> and yeah. something James Cameron did. So, yeah. So this is a first watch for me. Am I fired? No, it's fun. It's great. It, it is interesting. Is it, I mean, it's just weird, isn't it? That how? how? Just if you, if you give us a how, that'd be more interesting than just I haven't seen it. So I was one or none when it was came out. And then it didn't... We I think we were just in you know the playground, whatever. I was just like a couple of years too young to get caught up in it. And then it became a sort of point of pride that I hadn't watched it. Okay, that I get. Isn't yeah. it weird? Because yeah. it has been re-released within your lifetime. Sure, like, of course. I think 2002 was the last it's time. So you could have available. seen it. Of course I could. It's widely available. Yeah. But I just chose not to. Is it because, because you know I get, we've talked about this, I get that with the Rocky Horror Picture Show mm -hmm. um, and there's a, a Grease I had it with as well. Like oh, yeah. things that kids at school, like have you seen this, have you seen this? Mm -hmm. And they're starting to do the catchphrases and like yeah. going to the musical, throwing right, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, fuck that movie, <laughs> that ain't my movie. I don't know what it is. And then as a grown, I mean, I know it's a, I know it's a proper kids film and it just isn't on the roster of kids film to show my kids, although there's nothing wrong with it. I just didn't see it, and so it's it's difficult. And also, I feel like I know it as well. Like I know all the scenes, and mm. I know all the catchphrases, and I know that Henry Thomas is amazing. So I feel like I've seen it. I okay. haven't. I'll raise you uh, that answer to the simple question: What's your individual history with the movie? I have seen it. This is one of my very earliest cinema experiences. So it would have been, I worked it out, it was the summer of 1986. So that re-release at the AB Cinema, ABC Cinema on Vicar Lane in Leeds, which then became... How could you forget the C? The Canon Cinema <laughs> and then the MGM Cinema and then was demolished, which is sad. So I was seven years old. I'd previously seen one movie, Care Bears the Movie. Love that film. That. Talked about that on the show. Look at Chris's face. He's like, if he dares tell the Care Bears the movie story again. But this was my second Last week one. was just nonsense. It's just me and him rehashing the same stories, but we both don't remember. Like, wow, did you? That's amazing. No, you kicked off with a lie last week. Did Whoa, we? What, yeah. that what was the lie? Alex claiming, well, first stating he wanted to wash his hands of the choices Fantastic Four. All right. And saying it was all me. Yeah. When you, I, sent him, I sent him a bunch of suggestions Suggestions, and he just responded by by messaging me back one of them and going, "This, 
So how can you wash your hands of that? So you lied to me. Complete free will. And you were like, this. I was more impressed with the efficiency of my reply than I was with the <laughs> and, decision. And you, sorry, and you did the OK signal. <laughs> <laughs> they called emojis, but signal, sure. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. I don't use them. <laughs> yeah, all right, fine. Anyway, I, 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 let's do it. It's a great show. I just to, Just to clarify, yes, I did say that, but I misremembered them as being better than they were. Okay. So, not my fault. Fine, fine, fine. Not your fault. <laughs> so anyway, I watched this movie in the cinema, second experience, and I really, really didn't like it. And without wanting to turn this pod into Therapy 101, I think it's because it's the first time I'd watched a movie that was intentionally trying to make me cry. Mm-hmm. And cry I did. And I hated it. I felt ashamed and embarrassed crying in public because everything I'd watched until this point, Indiana Jones, Star Wars, action-adventure, bit of smoking the bandit, nothing that was trying to make me cry. And I felt awful, mm. like sitting there in front of my gran crying and like other kids were crying. And I'm like, this is, why Why would you choose to go through this? It's taken me till about five years ago to actually be able to cry at film. Okay. Mm. God, I cry at everything. All the time. I was out. Because you go. <laughs> <laughs> it's because I'm in touch with my emotions and I'm healthier for it. <laughs> hey, listen, I, I do not know where this came from. And again, therapy, but... I could have a guess, but let's not do it now. <laughs> Save it for the pub. So anyway, yeah, I really hated this movie when I saw it. Age seven, I've never, ever wanted to watch it since. Uh, this was the first film I watched at the cinema. And I think it was the second film I watched at the cinema... Might not have been the third. That might have been Jungle Book. Pretty sure it was the fourth film I watched at the cinema. So this was a big part of my <laughs> cinematic going life. I know what I like. Um, I'll go back and see it again. Did you cry? Yes. Well, I've told the story, so I don't really want to tell it again. I, I literally... Are you sure? Exactly. Oh, you, I've got no idea. You what you no, you weren't, you weren't there. It was okay. when we did Remembering Cinema. And it was my brother, who's a year younger than me. He cried... Um, so much when E.T. kind of dies yeah. that he had to be taken out of the cinema. <laughs> oh, and then we, he didn't yeah. see the end of the film and we went home and then he missed E.T. so much he kept crying until we went back to the cinema to watch it again. <laughs> oh, it's making me sad. <laughs> so it's, I think that's the genius or the manipulative evil of this film is what it does to a child's brain. Yeah. He couldn't bear it and yet he wanted to experience it again. Yes. So that was my experience with E.T. as a kid and I liked it so much that when I was six I wrote a sequel to it called E.T. 2, Son of E.T. <laughs> Still in development. <laughs> um, it's well, pro- development hell is all. We will get to it are. because Melissa Matheson and Steven Spielberg wrote a 10-page treatment for a sequel, which oh I God. have read. Yeah. And I think what I wrote was better. Okay. In all honesty, I think they missed the point of their own film <laughs> by turning it into a fucking horror film. <laughs> there are a couple of things that Steven Spielberg has sort of put out there mm. before that anyone else has sort of ever had chance to stop him, which makes you sometimes question the genius that yes. is question is, I, I, When I was away, I also read the Night Skies script. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it makes you question his sanity. What was he thinking? <laughs> but... The point is he got it right in the end because he just made one E.T. and it was sweet. So he didn't do these horror versions of this story. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that is my history with the little fella. OK, well, that's good because, it. Look, I mean, I've done some research, but it sounds like you two have also done quite a lot. So that's excellent. Yep. Um, are we going to... We... What? what? <laughs> nothing, nothing. No, what? No, nothing. Are you sure? It's what? just a sort of feigning innocence. Like, oh, it turns out you two have done a lot. Like, 
We always... Oh, like you never do. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> that is really offensive. Sorry. <laughs> oh, look, he looks really pissed off. <laughs> now I'm crying. I had no idea. You two might do a little bit of work. Well, you, you actually watched the film? <laughs> I don't even bother doing that. This is an HR issue and we should talk about it Yeah, fine. fine. We um, can do it alongside why I don't cry. <laughs> All right, fine. So here we are. Would you like to know a little bit about this film that you've already researched and so you know everything about it? Oh, but... yeah, and I've read the re- novelisation. <laughs> of course you fucking <laughs> well, have. That's no surprise. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, like you have said, Spielberg's got this treatment. So after Close Encounters of the Third Kind, Columbia are after him for a sequel. So he's got something that was called Watch the Skies. Mm. Um, but it's kind of... Well, then eventually it turns into Night Skies because someone's got Watch the Skies. But anyway, I read it's Straw Dogs with Aliens. Is that correct? Yeah, it's it's about teens fighting a bunch of aliens, not just uh, one kindly alien. They're all down here. There's one kindly alien and... Called Buddy. Yeah, and okay. there's like six or seven evil aliens. The evilest one being Scar. Yeah, it's based on a real-life event yes. or a, an event that was reported as real by a, a, a family that lived in a farmhouse. I think it was in Kentucky. Mm. and The Kelly Hopkinsville uh, encounter. Yeah, yeah, they said some goblin-like creatures attacked them. They fired a couple of shots off uh, and they went back into the woods. And... You know, you have this stigma about people who have these encounters. Uh, you know, it's like, really, did yeah, you? Yeah. Or are you a crackpot? Yeah, yeah. But you always think that if then Steven Spielberg comes to you and goes, I want to make a movie of your story, you go, yes, validation. Yeah. They said, absolutely not. We do not want our experience turning into a movie, which is why he had to change so much of it for the script. Interesting. Which is surprising to me. Because you think they're making it up for attention. Because I think a I mean, lot I do, of people... So that was judgmental, uh, yeah. that is what I think. I think a lot yeah, of, of people do. And so I think, you know... Everyone does. Right. <laughs> it's sort of, it's, it's the general rule. Uh, you know, unless you go to a UFO conference, which I have been to, and then by the end you're like, fuck, this shit is real. That is definitely Because <laughs> I'm easily convinced. I mean, UFOs probably are real, but they probably don't want to come down and stick a probe up your bum. That's the only difference, I think. Why would they be bothered? I but, don't know. Unless it's for an alien TV show like Punked, then, you know, <laughs> like that's the only reason. It's not research. They're just going... Yeah. Like, we can do anything. Okay, we're live above planet Earth. <laughs> yeah. now, watch we normally this, operate guys. in eight dimensions, but today we're going to go down to three and watch what happens when we stick this. Up there. <laughs> the alien Ashton Kutcher. <laughs> oh, probed. <laughs> um, John, John Sales wrote the script and stump, some of it has stayed in E.T. Right. The telepathy, uh, the, the, the buddy creature sort of making a, a, sending out a signal using a shortwave radio, that kind of thing. But then it's, it's really clear what stuff got moved to other films. Okay. And Poltergeist and Gremlins are the two obvious ones. Oh, the yeah. attack on the, on the house at night yeah. It's so poltergeist. And then like there's a there's a there's quite a funny alien called Squirt mm. who ends up fighting the grandma in the kitchen and riding around on the broom and it's completely out of gremlins. And actually the film that it reminded me of most was Critters, which that's the only one of these that isn't a Spielberg production. Yeah. But um yeah, I think Critters just nicked it basically. Because sure. it's all at a farm. Because it was all going ahead, wasn't it? And uh, you the person you gotta feel sorry for is the guy called Ron Cobb in all of this, who was the production designer on Conan, yeah. who met Spielberg by chance in the corridors of the studios they were filming in. And Spielberg was like, This I'm doing this nice guys thing. And Ron Cobb was like, I'm a production designer, but I've got some ideas. Yeah. And then Spielberg basically says, I think you should direct it. Right. And Ron Cobb is like Holy shit! Cool. Yes, Spielberg please. has just asked me to direct this movie. Then Spielberg fucks off to do Raiders, uh, has a chat with Harrison Ford's girlfriend, uh, Melissa Matheson, mm-hmm. and also, you know, in amongst all the explosions and the gunfire and killing Nazis, he has this epiphany where he's like, 
I don't think Night Sky should be the movie I'm involved in. Even as a producer, I want to get something going that's more tranquil, more serene, like Close Encounters. Mm. And so then Matheson writes the script yeah. and Ron Cobb gets sidelined. Uh, not that he's uh, bitter, but he uh, <laughs> <laughs> he uh, he does have a, a, a quote where he goes, in 1988, he was interviewed about E.T. and he says, sentimental and self-indulgent, a pathetic lost puppy kind of story. Wow, okay. My favourite bit about it, though, is this was developed at Columbia and then Universal wanted to be in the Spielberg business again. And so they bought the the sort of concept for one million dollars mm. plus five percent of the gross of whatever film they made. Yeah. And it so it ended up being Columbia's biggest film of 1982 and they yeah. didn't make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just to put a nice um, epitaph on the uh, Ron Cobb story. His wife, who was a little more business savvy than him, after he was sidelined, she checked the contract years later and found that he was owed 1% of anything E.T. made from him bowing out of making Night Skies. And so he got like a million dollars for doing nothing. That's a good lesson, isn't it? They're not going to come to you and say, we realise we owe you a million dollars. You have to go to them. So and also didn't Spielberg fall out with Rick Baker as well because yes. he'd made he'd spent some money making some models and some animatronics. Um, you can but... see them all online. There's a photo of all of them and Scar, who clearly went on to become Stripe in Gremlins in some capacity, the big evil alien. Yeah. is pretty nasty looking. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, it's in turnaround. Uh, like you say, so everything after that. So. Uh, yes, we're off to the races, kind of thing. So I'm just going to talk about casting, but I only really want to talk about Henry Thomas uh, because over the years, well, I say over the years. I mean, when we've been making this podcast, when I'm like messing around on YouTube, that little clip of Henry Thomas at his audition—well, not his audition, his sort of read-through—comes um, up, and I never want to watch it because I was saving it for this. So I did watch it for this. Oh, you're going to play it now? No, because I don't have the tech. You see this iPad that's knackered. Can't do that. Um, you can. It's the same jack that Chris uses in his. I'm not his going laptop. to. Right. Well, then just we say can just that. slot it in. After. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. It's the tech. <laughs> I, just, I, I just don't have the tech at this side of the studio. <laughs> it makes the studio seem massive. I can't reach <laughs> over this meter square reach table. The plug or whatever it is that you do. So no, I'm not going to play it. But I've assumed that you've seen it. Have you seen it? I haven't actually. No. Oh, it's brilliant. So he's got like 26 million views. I'd love to hear it right now. Oh, you're funny. <laughs> We'll just wait. Just do a clap. Right, we'll put it in there. Good. That was easy, wasn't it? Sure. Right, okay, fine. So anyway. Notice the man with the laptop isn't helping oh, over that's here. okay. No, I don't expect him to. I mean, he, he is he is two clicks away from bringing up the <laughs> the interview that you need, the screen test you need is two clicks away. Do I need and he's, it? he's letting you suffer. He's not, I'm, am I suffering? Sorry, what? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not, I'm fine. All right, fine. I didn't say you were... You think I'm dying? I, I thought... I, I thought maybe just like, you know, your absence of being able to play this clip that I... Uh, would as, bother me. As Doesn't your friend, bother me. I'm your, I, I am your friend and I would love to hear it right now. And you seem to be completely disinterested. In, I guess I am. I don't know. 26 million people have seen it. They probably listen to this podcast. I'm afraid I have to, son. You can't take him away. He's mine. But it's not my choice. The president asked me to come here and get him. I don't care what the president says. He's my best friend. And you can't take him away. Well, it's it's real possible, Elliot, that, that he'll come back and you can have him again. I'll tell my boss that you can keep him. Would that be okay with you if I could just talk to him for five minutes? Would you feel better then? He's not. Would you be happy if you could keep him if all I had to do was talk to him for five minutes? That might make your whole day, huh? 
might make your whole life, huh? And then he'd be your friend forever, and I wouldn't take him away. Okay, I'll get Okay, kid, you got the job. <laughs> so, it's so that's Steven Spielberg's voice at the end he said the same thing to Ron Cobb <laughs> <laughs> if Henry Thomas had been like that's what you said to Ron Steve I'll see it in writing it's such a, it is a brilliant clip so Steven Spielberg there was a man called Jack Fisk who directed a film called Raggedy Man that has Sissy Spacek and Henry Thomas in it and they suggested him they fly him in he does that read through um, that that isn't in the film that uh, that amount of dialogue about them taking E.T. away but they said at the end of it everyone just gave him a big hug because he's crying his eyes out and it's obviously really difficult but it's uh, the person's called Mike Fenton who's doing the, the read and they just keep pushing him and keep pushing him to make him cry loads oh it's horrible but then at the end when Spielberg goes okay kid you got the job because he's an actor but he's such a baby he just stops and he's like mm-hmm like he, he doesn't go like, oh, he's just like, well, yeah, obviously. It's, a, it's amazing. Yeah, well, it's amazing because uh, I believe Steven Spielberg filmed as much of the film as he could chronologically. Yeah, for the kids. To do that same thing because by the end of this movie, some of the expressions when E.T. is leaving at the end, Drew Barrymore, Gertie mm. says goodbye. You, I, I'm pretty sure it, it, she genuinely thinks I am losing this friend I've made over yeah. the course of this movie. There's, there's that, a lot of behind-the-scenes yeah. footage of her crying uncontrollably when the camera's off. They say that upset. she, they, she was so little that they, you know, internet legend has it. They told her they didn't correct her when she thought it was real. Mm. So she thinks it's real. So she does think it is a talking alien and it can, it's going home. So she's really sad. Yeah, it's horrible. It's effective. Yeah, it really works. I mean, morally. Mm. But in terms of getting the best film, what I find works. amazing about Henry Thomas in that on all child actors is when Mike Fenton is saying, "I'm going to take your friend," crying, "No, he's mine, he's mine." I get that emotion. That's like a child upset about their toy being taken away. But then an adult manipulates a child by saying, "Well, what if it was just for five minutes and then we won't yeah. be in trouble?" That's how adults manipulate children. And children do buy it. They go, "Okay, fine, I can see a deal's being offered." Henry Thomas is a kid pretending to be another kid who's going to be taken in by that. That's what I can't get my head around. He's actually a real child, but he, the manipulation is working on a different level, which I find... I'm just worried how much you know about manipulating children. <laughs> well, I know everything <laughs> there is to To be a know. parent, eh? <laughs> <laughs> it's, um... it's just biscuits, Chris. That's yeah. all it is. Do that, I'll give you a biscuit. <laughs> Done. Easy. It's that works easy. on me as well. <laughs> I mean, I, I love a biscuit too. I'm not. And your I'm dog. serious. My friend was asking me the day yeah. she's about to like toilet train her child. She's like, "How do you do?" It? I was like, "Biscuits. Have a wee over there. I'll give you a biscuit." Yeah, I don't <laughs> think the associ- don't the association of food and going to. the I know, toilet. I know, but what you're supposed to do, it works. It's really easy, and it works. All right. I guess just as a sidebar, I'm sure we'll get into it when we go through this. But the problem with that that screen test is like they've really instilled in him the thing that got him the job is always saying, I don't want him to go. I want him to stay. When it comes to the film, that line is repeated by him loads and loads. Even at the end, I know we're jumping to the end, but even at the end when Edie's I'm off and he's like, don't go. It's like, he dies if he stays. We've established that over the last two hours. So what are you talking about, Elliot? If he stays, he dies. So where's the logic? He's his best friend. He's a little child. He doesn't have logic. He's his best friend. He doesn't want him to go. Give him a biscuit and explain the rules. <laughs> Quite right. See, you can do it. It's easy. I, just, I can't wait now. <laughs> really apprehensive about parenthood. But now... Turns out... Just a, a cupboard full of biscuits. Yes. I'm not even joking. And fetch. Like Simon. We're not there yet, right. but um, I'm working on it. 
girl down the shop for mummy, would you? That's that's what I'm working on. <laughs> Why is the image of you with a can of lager <laughs> on the sofa and a fag in your head? Never did me any harm. Mummy's some... run out of a medicine. <laughs> Go to the shop for me, please. <laughs> uh, last little factoid. When it was filming, it was named A Boy's Life. That's what's on the script. You can buy that script online. I saw it going for quite a lot of money uh, to prevent uh, discovery of what it was about. Um, so it was a big secret. So there we go. And Gremlin's connection that Chris brought up, A Boy's Life is on the marquee mm. in the movie, along with Watch the Sky. As discussed on our Gremlins episode. Yeah. But I, I also like the fact it was made for $10 million, but they had to get a bond company to finance it because kids' films weren't making any money at the time and they thought it was going to be a failure. So A bomb company? A bond company. A bond, sorry. That's... Such a funny... Just <laughs> It's just funny how things work. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Okay, unless there's any more research that we've all done, um, <laughs> shall, we, um, shall we talk about the film? Yeah. Or, or, yeah. or we might need to take a break. What, now? <laughs> really? Just, yep, swivel, swivel round. Do you want me to? Well, it's, I mean, yeah, we take a break after half an hour. Yeah, but logical. we've not even spoken about the film. If Plus, I was listening to it, I'd be like, you've not even said the fun bit yet. Why get the into the bit? film? Why get into the film? Really? And then have to break away in literally yeah, 30 no. seconds. It's an issue, isn't it? Why are we running so... All right, okay, let's have a small break. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction and free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. <laughs> Every fucking time. Yeah, but you know what? The trouble is, it never used to be a thing. And I know I've made it a thing. Yeah. But you are also making it a thing. Yeah, it's just, I wish people could, I hope people can see with your arms in the air like, have I done it? Have I made Are you fucking happy now? Is this the break? Wow, it's great, isn't it? Are you not entertained? <laughs> what? Do you want? What do both of you actually a, a, a want? A break half an hour in. Yeah, and to go through the film right now. Please, <laughs> okay. quickly. We're going to be here all day. All right, so remember it's first time watch, so I hope I'm not treading on any memories, but these, these are just my virgin thoughts about this film. Okay, so what we've got here is exterior, spaceship fingers, interior, mushroom nipples? Wasn't sure. Yeah, it's weird, isn't it? What do these aliens do? I'm guessing they're sort of interstellar botanists and they're yes. collecting fauna, sorry, flora from uh, various parts of the world. But it does look like they've got alien eggs in yes. there and tree beard from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> yeah, they're ag agricultural workers and they're basically drones collecting foliage, right, which okay. is why they've, I'd never really understood this, but that's why they've made them quite squishy and earthy and muddy. Oh. They're almost like the thing they're collecting. Mushrooms. So there was some thinking into this strange appearance. That's great. And like, uh, like drones from a species, they're a hive mind. Right, which is why when the red heart mm -hmm. goes off in the chest, it's a signal to return to the ship. So why doesn't it go off in E.D.'s chest? <laughs> I, I don't have the answers to those questions. Also, 
1982. We have literally put a person on the moon. A big spaceship turns up and just some people with torches are there. Like there's no signal. E.T.'s e. like... gone quite far from them because he's a curious little fella. Mm. And I think that's maybe why the connection isn't isn't working properly. That breaks down the notion of a hive mind though, doesn't it? I, I didn't say they're a hive mind. Yeah. Um, I would <laughs> yeah, say... Definitely a hive mind. <laughs> I would say to me, first time watch, it wasn't... I understand what's supposed to have happened because I know this film's history but it wasn't super clear that it wasn't intentional to leave et behind i maybe it was intentional maybe he's a complete knob yeah we're only seeing him in the context of, yeah. of uh elliot aren't we it's, it's the alien version of punked they've got yeah they've they're got, like we're just stopping off at services et quick go 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 et could be like the the justin timberlake and and they've gone right this is going to be a great prank on celebrity et justin timberlake we're mm-hmm. going to leave him on the planet and just see what oh shit he's dead <laughs> Um, cut to commercials. Go back. Go back to Earth. I, um, I'm going to just drop in a couple of quotes from the novelization because I enjoyed them. Um, it's one of the most famous ones because it's so weird. Uh, there's some really messed up things in it. Uh, I wrote a feature about it once. And so in this scene, you're hearing E.T.'s thoughts. And in this scene, uh, the old botanist saw the man's belt with something hanging from it like an assemblage of teeth. Jagged edge trophies, possibly wrenched from the mouth of some other unfortunate space creature and placed on a ring. God, just so that's right keys. Keys. Oh, is that, was that just yeah. right keys? Just keys. Are you ET being sort of... paid by the word? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, well, in that case, great. Great word. <laughs> All right, so let's meet the kids. So we've got Elliot. We've got his brother, Michael. His brother, Michael's friends. They're 14, but they're smoking. I oh, loved it. It's, but that they are forward. I read that. I saw the bit of the script that describes the kids. They're fourteen years old. They are smoking it, their heads off. So it's a time capsule, uh, yeah. And I love that about it. Mm. I mean, just sitting there playing Dungeons and Dragons, mm. smoking, smoking away. My childhood. <laughs> when, <laughs> when when Robert McNaughton, uh, who plays the brother, was auditioning, he didn't know what he was auditioning for, and Spielberg said to him, "What do you do in your spare time? What are your hobbies?" And he said, "Riding my bike and Dungeons and Dragons." And I think he said, "You got the job, kid." Can you take up smoking? <laughs> yes. yes, you're hired. Uh, Dee Wallace as uh, she called Mary the mum, a good movie mum. I get that she's quite lax though. I think in some modern eyes parenting department. Well. I think the idea is that she's sort of become a bit childlike since her husband has left oh, her. Is is what they that, what they were trying to portray with her is that she's almost acting a bit like a kid. She's not quite in control anymore, yeah. and so she's she's falling apart a little bit. Yeah, you, I get there's that. glimpses of it in the background with her on the phone, and obviously the the children making a upset a couple of times and yeah. yeah when Elliot basically sort of says a very adult thing he goes he's a, he's in Mexico with our Sally. dad's in Mexico with, with Sally yeah, and Sally. she's sort of like nah, yes he doesn't even like Mexico he doesn't even like Mexico it's a good line yeah. it's a good line he's left you because uh, you're a mess so anyway uh, Elliot there's something in the outhouse something in the shed kind of thing he goes out to discover what we already know as the audience which obviously annoys me but E.T. is there you get to see its face it's cute I like it um no surprises for me there, because obviously it's one of the most famous faces in movie history. There we are. Um, so anyway, Elliot... It's good, isn't it? What the face? I mean, when you think about... When you think about what was brought to Steven Spielberg as, like, this is the design for E.T., if, like, obviously now, because, like you say, it's it's E.T., it's part of pop culture and will always be. But for that to be what's brought to you and you to look at that and go, that's it. 
Mm. Like the the color, the saggy flesh over its feet. <laughs> like it, apart How from do you its feel eyes. About alien feet. Do you wish it was wearing little shoes? I just don't. Big think... shoes actually got quite big feet. I, I mean, again, I can't separate what I me knowing it's ET from what I'm seeing. But I'm just trying to imagine how that was the final design that everyone agreed on as like the this beating heart of the movie. Oh, so well, like, there is a the, he. Who are the people that he referenced? Um, Albert Einstein's one. Albert Einstein, a pug dog. Yeah, and um, a poet called Carl something I've forgotten. No, his name it's Carlo Rimbaldi. Yeah, is the guy who designed ET, yeah. and he obviously worked on Close Encounters, which is where some of the idea of this came from. With Spielberg thinking, well, what if these little lads got left behind? But um, Carlo Rimbaldi had done a painting called Woman of Delta, and there's a figure on the left that he uses as inspiration for his own design. Mm. And you look at it, and it's like, oh, that is quite ET in this painting. Yeah. I do think you have to give Kathleen Kennedy credit though because she was the one who went to a specialist eye clinic mm. um, where they, I think they built glass eyes and she had them, these professionals technicians, design the eyes and those eyes make it. Yeah sure. and, and, and you know it's what Brad Bird says on Iron Giant as well where the eyes were the key to both of these characters and making them work and I know a lot of people that found E.T. terrifying um, his appearance when they were kids, but I didn't. I, I always thought he was adorable and I had yeah. a bunch of toy ETs, you know? Yeah, they are cute, actually. So, Elliot, um, in order to get this alien, he uses all his cunning and sets a trap. Oh, no, he doesn't. It just appears. Um, and so he lures it into the house with Reese's well, Pieces. Well, I, thought the, I thought they were M&M's. Everyone thought they were Everyone M&M's. Everyone thought they were M&M's, but, but they were because no. Mars said that... E.T. was too scary for kids, so they didn't want to be associated with it, so they just used Reese's Pieces instead. Oh, shame, Mars. Yeah. I do think it's very... I don't mind this, because we were raised on films and and culture as from the US, but it is super US to me that you would feed an alien sweets and it would love them. Yeah, I mean, both these movies, junk food is very mm. prevalent. He's eating Twinkies yeah. in Tur- the Iron Giant. That, that's your turbo Twinkie. Oh, is, is it? it? Is mm. that a big one? What's the difference? He's sprayed cream on top of the cream oh, yeah. infused... Oh. Twinkie, hence Turbo Twinkie. That's a big Twinkie. Um, <laughs> I don't. A <laughs> uh, little bit from the novelization. Uh, in the novelization, it's M and M's. They hadn't got the note that it changed, and uh, it refers to them as as the food of the gods of the conquerors. And then it describes chocolate dribbled from uh, the spaceman's mouth. His fingers were coated in it too. He licked it off deliriously. His strength returning. He could feel the miraculous substance coursing through his veins, bearing its secret chemistry to his brain, where blips of joy and light were going off. Now we understood the meaning of Earth's life. Ten billion years of evolution to produce the M&M. Baby, I just made twenty <laughs> million dollars <laughs> just describing an alien eating chocolate. Yeah, fair enough. Um, so here we go. This is a new thing for me. I, as much as I thought I knew this film, I didn't know that Elliot and Et were bonded mm. in that way. Totally forgot this bit. Yeah, I'm not sure it's necessary. And but... this is what Melissa Matheson brought to the script. That mm. was some. That was her idea to have them have a sort of psychological yeah, bond, like a symbiotic K- link, kind kindred of thing. spirit. But I guess the idea as well is they've both been abandoned. Elliot's been abandoned by his dad and yeah. E.T.'s been abandoned by his people. Mm. And and actually, I hadn't noticed until this time that E.T. and Elliot are quite similar names, words, sort of letters, rings. Agreed. They are. Uh, it sort of comes and goes, though. It, it, it's effective when the film needs it, but it doesn't really make a lot of sense when E.T. disconnects from Elliot mm. later. It's like, what are we meant to take from that? Mm-hmm. What did you get from that? So Elliot throws a sickie, and because it's 1982... Ferris his day off. Yeah, you just leave him alone. Mm-hmm. Like, that wouldn't happen now. Um, 
but actually... Well, no, they're just in your household because you'll crash the car. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, if I was left alone at home, I'd just be watching the telly. Do you yeah. ever get left at home? How old's Elliot in this? I don't know. Is he like eight or nine? Yeah, about eight, I think, yeah. yeah I probably was left at home then. I don't think I was. Really? Yeah. I don't think I was left I don't at home think alone. I legal. But I don't think also I would have done anything much. <laughs> <laughs> if you were sick, not just like leaving you at home, if you had a day off school, yeah. you could be left on your own. No, I wouldn't have been left on my own. Okay. Not because I wasn't trustworthy, but just because it was... Be- I mean... But there is that, actually. <laughs> but it's just the law, I believe. I, mean, I just remember having a big... What is the law as a parent? You're not allowed, I didn't think you were allowed to leave them alone when they were under 16. Holy shit. And everybody does when they get to about sort of 14, 15. That's what I thought. But also, this is all based on, this is what my mum said to me, which is why I wasn't allowed a key and I had to sit outside on the front step and wait for her to get back. That was my life. So you can be left alone on a front outside, step, yeah, on the fucking but street. But you can't get into the house and be in the house yeah, alone. As you were, see, this is the trouble, isn't it? As you explain it like that, and I can't ask her, I like, you're right. I was just not allowed to be in the house. Because if, if you get hungry, a stranger might offer you some sweets <laughs> if you're on the step. But inside, that stranger can't get to you. Do you want sweets, Vicky? Yeah, this is the thing. So yeah, now that you've said that, thanks, Mum. Fucking awesome. I like putting the temperature on the light trick. That's what and, I said, yeah. And Spielberg yeah. did that for real when he was a kid so he could stay home and try and make his movies. Well, there's a lot of that in this, isn't there? He says this is a film that's very personal to him because it was about him as a child when his parents got divorced and he yes, wished little men would appear outside his window and ferry him off because but he was so unhappy. But, but as he said, he didn't mention it at all when the film came out because he half didn't realise and it was only 10 years later he felt like he could actually say, actually, it. I've made it about me and, yeah. and this thing. It's, yeah. You know, it's not about the alien because he, he found it very hard to cope with that. But, but is also, that why? also, it's, if it's a hit, yeah, if it's sort of, yeah. <laughs> you know, you know that movie that's uh, the most profitable movie in the world, the, the biggest <laughs> movie in the world? Yeah, about me. <laughs> no, that's He's not joking. It. His new film, though, The Fablemans, is about his family. Seth Rogen plays his dad in it. Oh. Okay, so he's mm. not done there. He's not finished. There's, there's more to say. <laughs> I think a lot of his films seem to be about the same <laughs> yeah. thing. But all, all joking aside. Indiana Jones is about a holiday he once went on and <laughs> <laughs> to save a few people. But is that why? It has such a footprint because uh, it did give. I mean, I came from a, a non-divorced house and a you know normal childhood, but my parents were together, so I get why some kids were sad. But I don't mm. have any lived experience of that. But a lot of children do, and I've always wondered if that's why it got purchased in the way that it did. Because sure. it's a really because well, divorce was a relatively new thing. It yeah. was only in the last ten years that it was happening more commonly, and it certainly wasn't being on screen very much. Yeah. You know, Kramer versus Kramer and this were these two yeah. huge films that. We're about divorce, except it just happens to be in the background here. Yes, which is a sensible kid's way of doing it. Like, you know, um, it's filmed from like, Elliot's point of view quite a lot to make mm. it seem like it's his film. And if you're telling the story of family breakdown from a kid's point of view, but you can't do a film about it, you have to do, oh, it's actually about an alien, but it's not really. It's yeah, I, I didn't notice it at all yeah. when I was watching it as a kid. Didn't didn't make any impression on me, that aspect of it. I didn't either, but mm. this is the first time I've really thought about that. Maybe that's why I cried. It is. Yeah, that'll be it. I, wonder, I, did, will be I did wonder. I just didn't want to say anything. I am, I am so dumb. You are a bit dumb. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know if it was appropriate. And yeah. don't, we don't like talking about our emotions. Thank you for letting me work it out on my own. Okay. I appreciate that breathing we're gonna have a We're going to have a little hug in the pub <laughs> okay, afterwards. Good. Okay, okay. Yeah. You're right. I am. I'm fine. All right. Okay. (laughs) Bottle it up. (laughs) Let's talk about how much Steven Spielberg does uh, for George Lucas in this movie. I know. You can't get enough Star Wars promotion in here. But I guess it it meant I was seeing myself on screen, though, because I've got Star Wars tours like him as well. But yeah, it's a bit. 
So yeah, in that scene, they're playing with the toys he's got. What's he got? Boba Fett and something else. Greedo, Hammerhead, Walrus Man, (laughs) Snaggletooth, Lando and Boba Fett. He he does everything but say, available now. (laughs) (laughs) And then we've got got Yoda later on. We've got Jaws. He does a Jaws reference. Shark goes into water. Sharks eat the fish. Oh, yeah. Oh, come on, man. So there's more in that particular scene. So Elliot is offering E.T. Coke and pears and you're like, okay, USA. But I think, again, because we'll come back to this, but because of Henry Thomas, it's just, it's really charming. Mm. And I had Mm. this thought and then it's reinforced later by an adult but it's like if aliens do land here I really do hope they meet children first because otherwise it's not going to go very well but it would be so cute really? do you yeah. want them meeting your boys? <laughs> what the hell are they going to do to them? <laughs> be friends with them I think. well okay. no one of them I don't know I'll probably try and dissect it but um, maybe two of them would try that so meet one of them. Meet one child. My one You'll of my children. You'll be luring your children away from an extra dress. I've got biscuits. Don't hurt the poor thing. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, boys, put it down. <laughs> my niece would challenge it to a race and then cheat in the race and then mock it for losing the race. <laughs> so what happened to you? Yes. She's four. Oh, oh, hang on. What? I mean throwback but if your if your niece can beat you in a race what hope do you have of beating me I just when said we... she cheated she cheats <laughs> what you think that's she, above me she takes shortcuts and then there's a meltdown if I try and take a shortcut <laughs> see there's another version of that story where you're like I let her win but no you were trying your absolute hardest no. and the clever girl no. knew <laughs> to take a shortcut <laughs> anyway um we were talking about the sweetness of E.T. and the, the child POV thing. And mm. Melissa Matheson has said that uh, she spoke to children about like what, you know, if if, a, if an alien could have a power, like what would that be? What would you think was cool? And the kids were like telepathy would be good and telekinesis would be good. But also that the children thought that it would be nice if the creature could um, heal and heal itself and heal other people. And she thought that was really sweet. And it is very sweet. Mm. Um, but it's, yeah, I don't know. Well, actually, this is just my experience as a parent. The kids don't give a shit when they hurt themselves. They love it. They're like, can I have a plaster? Look at this. Like, they think it's brilliant. They don't, they're just covered in, if social services were ever to see them, they're covered in bruises and they don't seem to care. So maybe she was talking to nicer kids than mine, which is possible. Which is possible. What are you doing, E.T.? <laughs> That's a day off school, you idiot. Put it back. <laughs> so speaking of school, so then we go to school and we have this parallel stuff where it's E.T.'s links, I hated it. Such a weird moment. It doesn't, I, I hate to say it. I just don't think it's very well directed. Like, I think the stuff with the frogs and Elliot getting that girl and giving her a kiss because that's what E.T.'s seen on the telly, that doesn't make any sense to me. I yeah, think it's quite clunky. It's basically, it's sort of showing the infancy of their telepathy or like the fact that Elliot doesn't realise they're connected in this way and so he's misreading like Elliot to E.T. saying, oh, I want to go home for he wants to set the frogs free so they can go home. Yeah. It's it's a strange it's just it's, strange. Is it a comment on the deadbeat dad as well? Um in that sort of ET's becoming like a surrogate dad at home but he's just drinking beer and watching the telly which might have been what Elliot's dad did before he ran off to with Mexico. Sally to Mexico. Yeah. And is this Spielberg dealing with some personal issues here? Yeah, I hadn't thought of it. All I was focused on is if you chloroform the frogs, but the frogs can then jump free. Your chloroform is broken mm. because they were supposed to be asleep, but never mind. But would it not be good if I was like, I want to get drunk, but I don't have any booze and you could get drunk somewhere and mm. I would inadvertently get drunk at the same time. <laughs> like your emissary. <laughs> like, but that's, cause what, that's what happens. <laughs> Elliot gets drunk because E.T. is drinking beer. Yeah, he does. Imagine going... Can you go to the pub for me? Get drunk for me. So, and I won't need to go to the toilet as much because I'm just sort of drunk in my head. I haven't imbibed seven pints. It's lovely. I, 
guess, I guess. Um, is is E.T. a boy or a girl? I think both the Iron Giant and E.T. are genderless beings. Mm. So I don't accept that E.T. is a boy, but I accept that Elliot might want a boy no, that's a friend. And, and uh, that's the point, I think. Gertie doesn't accept he's a boy yeah. and dresses him as a girl. Yeah. He's, a, he's gender fluid. Yes. Great. Of course. I just, I just wanted to check. To me. Because I'd always yeah. thought he was a boy and it was only watching it this time. I was like, no, this is Elliot saying he's a boy. And actually the girl in the film was saying, no, he's a girl. Yeah, there's no markers on him too. So, but also, I mean, that's just the way the world is. Like when there's a, if, a, if a creature is a hero, it gets like, you know, main character energy kind of thing. They're a boy. You know, I was thinking about the other day, I let Marshall, my eldest, watch Jurassic Park for the first time because he's always <laughs> wanted to watch it and I've never let him because I was like, it will scare you. And he's then I realised he was like seven and a half. I was like, it's time for you to watch Jurassic Park. And he obviously fucking loved it. But God bless him. He noticed the same thing as me, which is I was like, there's a scene in that you'll find it boring. I like it where they go around the lab. Right. And apart from the thing that hatches out, it's actually quite dull. There's a lot of exposition. But they talk about all the dinosaurs being women so that they don't, mm. you know, all the rest of it. Mm. And then the T-Rex breaks out of its thing. And Sam thing is like, he wants to hunt. And Marshall's like, they said it was a woman. I was like, yes, Marshall. They mm. fucking did. Didn't say the F word. But that just annoyed me. It's like, because it's a T-Rex, because it's big character energy, mm. it's a boy. You've just been told they're all women. Women. They're all female. <laughs> <laughs> but did, the T-Rex does have big dick energy. Yeah. <laughs> I know. It's so annoying. <laughs> did you show them E.T.? No, I didn't. What? I watched it by myself. I know I should have done. We need you to do this because I want to hear this. What the perspective is? I think they think it was a bit slow. To well, be t- you can then tell us, <laughs> and they can turn it off. I'll, I'll speak for them. They they, they think it's a bit slow. Because <laughs> mm. uh, four year old me thought it was fucking brilliant. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's just kids. You know, <clears throat> things today move quicker. All the rest of it. Um, but then, like you say, so Gertie, she's uh, dressed. That's a real up. thing, you know. What is about like, uh, the attention span of the younger generation is getting less and less. He because... knows because he hangs out with a lot of kids. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and you have a very short attention span anyway. I actually do a, a book club for children where I read them long form stories. Right. Yeah, you know, and uh, and they always say this is much better than TikTok. Thanks, Dad. <laughs> it's better that it's the TikTok. Sorry to embarrass you. <laughs> uh, okay, so the the scene is coming up that I've been waiting for, which is. Gertie is sort of teaching E.T. to talk. Uh, he's uh, doing letter sounds off the telly. And then Elliot's there and he said phone. And then he said home. And I was like, oh, here we are. Here it is. And it's like, oh, that went on for a bit longer than I thought. I found it a bit laboured because I was expecting a sort of, you don't know, short clip where he just says phone home. A lot of this part of the movie I found very slow. I think... Weirdly, sometimes you know how it's like movies struggle with their final act. That's a hard bit. How do you finish a movie? We were talking about this with Damon Lindelof the other day. Mm. He wasn't on the show. We were talking about him. <laughs> and um, and I think actually uh, once it's like the big discovery, the army and the government are there, the pace picks up considerably. Yeah. But this first part where it's that bloody closet, I'm like, why are we in this closet again? Yeah. Yes, Act 2 is, I think, the second half of Act 2 is probably harder. If you can nail Act 3, people forget that it was a bit slow. In the second half of Act 2, which is where we were. So, anyway, um, now that this is interesting, it's 1982. The authorities, these sort of faceless grown-ups, can listen in to everyone's homes, all over their homes, no matter Mm. where they are. How is this possible? You can still do that. Alexa. Yeah, but it's 1982. They can hear everything. They haven't tapped the phone. They haven't. what, What have they done? Now, here we get into this grey area where I don't know if I've just seen a lot of movies where this happens and so I've taken it as something that always was possible. But you've 
seen it where they've pointed little mini satellite dishes at oh, homes. Is that what it is? Yeah, I, think if you're, I think if you're sitting in a van outside a house, you, you can, can hear everything's like. happening inside. Right. That, <laughs> that's well, that was just the visual vocabulary of the 80s right. and okay. the 70s, I think. Yeah, right. no, yeah. good. That it was a genuine question. No, fair. Um, it's fair. So, Mum is reading Peter Pan to Gertie. So, why are we? I'm asking, why are we reading Peter Pan? It, who can't grow up in this? Is it Elliot until this thing is done? Why use Peter Pan? You could use yeah, no, because Elliot is very emotionally immature. Uh, that thing he says to his mum about Sally is cruel and childish. And by the end of the film, he's learnt this empathy. So he does grow up. Right. And he stopped being, as I said, he stops being a child. And he starts becoming a parent to E.T. Yeah, OK. OK, that makes But sense. also, Spielberg sticks Peter Pan everywhere. <laughs> Sorry, that sounds wrong. <laughs> but, um, you <laughs> Any know, excuse. He was the Peter Pan of movies <laughs> and um, okay. the director who couldn't grow up. And then obviously he made Hook. So yeah. I think it was something he just liked putting in as well. OK. So then it's Halloween. That is super handy because then we can get E.T. out of the house to phone home. And the Michael Myers shot. It's looked like the start of Halloween when he's peeking out of that ghost costume yeah. when the kid goes and kills his sister. <laughs> but I, I do. I still laugh at this bit when he's trying to fix the, the knife in the head with his finger Aww. and then the flash makes him fall over. It's a really funny little sequence. Yeah. Um, it's a bit weirder in the novelization. With Halloween fast approaching, Mary asks Gertie what she wants to go trick-or-treating as. Bo Derrick comes the reply. Derek had recently had a hit with Sex Comedy 10 and this sets Mary's brain racing. The image of her infant daughter parading naked and wet down the block flooded Mary's taxed mind. I don't like that. This was a novelisation for children. Uh, was it? Yes. Oh, yeah. I don't like that one. Okay. There you go. Babe! I've lost her 20 million. I've, I've been taken off the book. They didn't like the last pages. Yeah, weird that. Wait till we get to E.T. wanting to fuck Mary. Flooded her text oh, mind. Good. There, do you hear D off screen? It happens off screen where she's telling the elder brother, she's like, no, you cannot go as a terrorist. Yes, <laughs> it's really funny. But he's like, but everyone else is. No. <laughs> That's funny. So mum, meanwhile, she pops out and I've done this. Feels like an off-license run to me. She's like, fuck it, I'm going. So what is this? She goes and then she comes back and the kids aren't home and she seems not scared at that point just upset that Guilty. she's been left on her own no, I think it taps into what Chris was saying about this ah, okay. the fact she's quite childlike she feels like they've ditched her because she's not fun enough like you would do if you were a mate as yeah. opposed to a mother yeah okay that that does that's good I can see that now um but so this the the Elliot and E.T. being linked, I can see what you're saying about it. It's a little bit wrinkly, like it doesn't quite make sense. So Elliot doesn't want him to leave and he's saying, oh, we could grow up together. But if they're linked, later on, his brother says, Elliot can feel his feelings. So wouldn't he be excited? Because E.T. wants to go home. So Elliot's feeling that feeling and would say, I'm excited for you. Oh, I see what you mean. Yeah. But whatever, it's fine. It's a kid's film. It doesn't matter. Um, so Elliot and E.T., they stay out all night. And mom, surprising, she leaves a four-year-old by, Gertie's meant to be four, and when they think Elliot's drunk at school and he has, she has to go and get him, mum has to go and get him, she says, Gertie, you just stay there a minute. Mm. Don't leave a four-year-old by themselves at home. Even I know that. But, <laughs> different uh, time. Very, very <laughs> different time. But mum, being a good mum this time, she rings the police this time. It was a, it was a different time. I mean, this genuinely was. You'd leave your front door unlocked. Latch, latch oh, yeah, because no, no one got murdered. No, 100%. Yeah, people only started getting... Child disappearances are a really new thing. Uh, no, but people did get murdered. But like, I think it took a while for that to, you know dissipate even as when I was a kid in the 80s like the woods at the end of my road in Leeds like we used to run around those like without yeah. a care in the world and this was the 80s and it was only sort of weirdly mid 90s as a teenager I sort of suddenly felt this fear like actually they might not be safe 
at night. And, so, and this was every from Stand By Me to The Goonies to all the, the Monster Squad, to all these films we watched as a kid. They were sort of latchkey kids were your heroes of yes. these movies who could just go where they like and do what they want and mm. everything was relatively safe until monsters showed up. Yes. Rose-tinted look at the world. Spielberg. Yeah, that's his stock in trade. Yeah. I just think four is a bit little. It's not about the woods. I get that. We were allowed to run around the woods. It's like homes are quite dangerous for a four-year-old. There can be a lot of knives. There's tons of knives in this house. Mum at the beginning is like, Michael's friend, put that knife down, <laughs> which is mad. It's like, get out of my house, teenager, with a knife. Well, <laughs> but the difference here is that Gertie is a 40-year-old in a four-year-old's body. That's true, yeah. You could trust her, yeah. <laughs> I swear, weirdly... Um, when I was at home with my little brother, my mum used to work nights, and I so it was just the two of us, and we had a guy break in to the <gasps> we. Long story, but we used to hang around. Wait, just on check the, with Chris. Have we heard this one before? This is fine. I'm into. I it. haven't heard this. So I, we used to hang around on the first floor because at the bottom of the house was never done, like to use rooms. So we lived on the first floor. So the living room was on the first floor, but we heard a thump, and I was like to James, and because I think I was so scared to actually recognise this as someone being in the house. I was like, you made that noise, didn't you? And he was like, I didn't. And I was like, no, you did. Oh like God. begging him to have made the noise. And so I actually went and got a knife no, from the didn't. kitchen and ran to the top of the stairs just to see a strange man no. leaving through Lies. the front door. Because oh he'd God. heard he'd heard our footsteps mm. upstairs running to the top of the stairs. Oh, Alex. And I'd, I watched him leave the, fr- the house by the front door. Fuck. Yeah, it was terrifying. It is it is terrifying. But that is a the kid grabbing the knife, I laughed at because I'm like, geez, a fucking kid with a knife in ET. And yet I was like, oh Jesus, I did the same thing. Oh, that is terrifying. Did you tell your mum? Yeah. And then didn't stop a working night. <laughs> Someone's got to put food on the table. Like, and she'd be like, well, you know, nothing actually happened. You did the right thing, son. No, we got about three more locks on the door yeah. and those blocks. Because we had those sash windows. So it's an old house and you could just mm. lift them up. Help you just, yourself. Just put a file. I'm telling you how to do it now. It's an old house with old sash windows. You just put a file in the gap, knock the lock off and you could open it fully. So that's why you, had the, you now have those wooden stoppers or metal stoppers put in so you can't yeah. open a sash window fully. Thank you for that public service announcement. My pleasure. I think I've got one coming up later about sepsis. So that's really good. We're going to do a good show today. <laughs> I do. I, I like to talk about sepsis. Okay, here we go. So, um, all right. So Elliot and E.T., they're sick. Mom, we're sick. And then this is where mom's going to find out that there's an alien in the house. I think her reaction is good. It's very mm. scary for you to see your child that's that sick. And you wouldn't just be like, oh, this is cool. There's an alien. And you'd be like, this thing is dangerous. Get away from it. Also, you're sick. Nightmare. Um, but then with no time to pause, no time to take it in because NASA, question mark, or here? Always the good guys normally. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and also actual spacesuits, not yeah. hazmat. The other guys are in hazmat suits. <laughs> Did you run out of hazmat suits and go, I mean, we've got these spacesuits. It's like, guys, oxygen's not the issue. It's the germs or the whatever. And also, it's a very, very loose approach to what is toxic here? Because some people are in them, some people aren't in them. The kids are running down the tunnel next to guys in hazmat suits. It's like, who's doing this wrong? Someone is at risk of contamination here or someone is overcautious. Yeah, it's a good visual because of the blank face because you can't see in the yeah. space helmet but it, it seems a little bit impractical I found this I like the setting up the containers on I like the fact that we kind of ramp it up I still found it a bit slow like let's just get on with it that tunnel was the most exciting thing I think I'd seen as a kid <laughs> that big plastic tunnel I'd never seen anything like it yeah. like, I was like what is that but, but yeah. also the reveal of Keys being a good guy yeah, because he's been set up as a baddie all the way through the film. Yeah. Every time I'm still surprised when, oh, he's not, he's he's grown up Elliot. He's a benign man. I've yeah. been wishing for this since I was 10 years old. Mm. It takes a while to says. believe. First time view, you're like, are you tricking this kid? Sure, you do. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But but yeah. And 
he isn't. And he's got very kind eyes, Peter Coyote. Mm. Yeah. Uh, born uh, Peter Cohen and then uh, had a peyote trip, saw paw prints in the ground and decided his spirit animal was a coyote and changed his name to Peter Coyote. Bonkers. Is that true? That is absolutely true, yeah. I, bet, I suppose he, he, probably, he might have actually seen a coyote rather than just the spirit animal being... Well, he met a shaman who uh, explained to him that that's most likely what had happened and then he adopted uh, the was name it, Coyote. Was it Mr C from The Shaman? <laughs> I used to work... Have I done this story? Mm. Yeah. Um, I don't know it again! I, I used to work it. in the. I used to work the bar in the end nightclub yes. and Mr C owned it and I remember him walking behind us in the bar and we go, he's going to be... Good. Good. <laughs> no, not, not him, you. Uh, Spielberg cast... I like him. <laughs> Spielberg. <laughs> no, I do. I've met him as well. <laughs> Have you? Because Sarah used to run the end after you oh. worked there. Yeah. We were never there at the same time. Though. I can't remember. Okay. <laughs> Spielberg um, cast... really disappointed me that the lowest tips you ever got were on the indie night on Monday. I was like, come on! <laughs> Look this at me! The, this is the night I, I choose to work. Come on, ladies. Yeah, no, no, no. I think it's because they can't Stingy. see how tight your jeans are. That's oh, all, because you're just waist high so just behind the bar. annoying. Uh, however, gay night on a Thursday. ka <laughs> I was much more beautiful back then. <laughs> it really was. You you fought, well, I fought to do that night because you would walk away with bigger than your paycheck You're in tips. You making bank. It was great. <laughs> Sorry, Chris. I don't know if he's in a good story now. Peter Coyote, um, he got the part because Spielberg had watched Southern Comfort, which we saw recently. Oh, yeah. Uh, and remembered him because he'd auditioned for Indiana Jones. Mm. And as he walked in... He tripped over a bit of scenery and fell over and they all laughed at him. And it was like he was never getting the role after that. (laughs) And he tells this story himself. I just completely embarrassed myself. That's a nightmare, isn't it? The anti-indie. But you were like, but I could have been Indiana Jones if someone hadn't left that wire hanging around. That was the only reason. You got the job, kid. I'm kidding. There's no way you're in this movie. (laughs) Go home. Yeah. Talk to Ron Cobb. He'll understand. So uh, Elliot is sick and E.T. is sick and they're in these <laughs> hospital beds and the, the doctors don't really seem to know what to do and Elliot's brother is like, Elliot feels his feelings and I can hear him saying, could it be sepsis? Just a little PSA about sepsis. Uh, just look out for rash, confusion, breathlessness. Uh, call 999. It's a bold move making E.T. look quite so disgusting at this point. Like, like, like a 1980s dog poo. It 100%. really is. Dry dog yeah. poo. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, this that is where... used to be such a hack comedy yeah, joke. Yeah. Whatever like... happens there. Yeah. Isn't it weird how all the white dog poo disappeared around the same time they started doing Mr. Whippy ice creams? <laughs> Gross. Yeah. This is where Drew Barrymore was crying the most because she thought E.T. was offended. She thought they were attacking him with those paddles. She didn't understand mm. that was trying to help him. Yeah. And that that's where you can see Spielberg trying to comfort her afterwards, but he's also kind of laughing a little bit. Oh no. And it's like, oh no, oh, this no. Is, oh, should we be doing this? <laughs> yes, we should. Well, this is he's like lightning in a bottle, it's worth it. But you are torturing a child emotionally. She said she saw it as a violation of her friend. Yeah. Um and this is the moment where my brother was hysterical. Oh, that's such a, I feel so bad for him. Had to be to the phrase because you, you you have told that story before, yeah. but the phrase had to be taken out of the had cinema. Had to be removed from it's the cinema. It's so upsetting. <laughs> I just can't imagine taking one of my own children who was so sad that I was like, oh my god, we've got to go, we've got to go. He's, but he's, people are trying to watch the film and he's screaming. I bet oh a lot god. of people. I bet a lot of people have this memory of watching this movie first time around with a cinema full of children. It was quite deafening. Yeah. I was one of them crying, <laughs> but I do remember like rows and rows of kids in tears. Yeah, it wasn't. It wasn't unique to be like. 
a wall of fucking phlegm. The reason why Pete, why your brother wanted to go back is because he's raised in a safe environment and he's understood that there's a boundary here. There's a, a safe way to experience those emotions. It's healthy mm. because he gets to live vicariously throughout. He gets to experience grief and loss and death and everything else within the confines of a movie because he yeah. hasn't experienced it. It's, it's a good thing. It's, it's cruel, but it's a good thing yeah, to put he was, kids through. He was 37. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the re-re-re-release that's the one he saw. Do, do you know, does it not surprise you just how long they play out this death scene from yeah. him getting ill to him being really ill to him dying yeah. to him then being dead to him being frozen in a box as a dead corpse of an alien. <laughs> yeah. You're talking it's about not long enough. close to 20 <laughs> minutes of screen time. And here's the thing. It doesn't ever feel too long. Well, it's because everything so, else takes such a bloody long time. It's, but it's so well done as but well. But also you've got that marvellous payoff as well where Elliot's crying but laughing and they think he's crying but he's really laughing yeah. I just think that's just it's just a brilliant pe- that's what makes me cry watching it now not E.T. getting sick because I know he's going to be fine but this the emotions of Elliot yeah there's a little bit of a cheat here like Spielberg wants his cake and to eat it where Elliot says the words I love you mm. and E.T. comes back to yeah. life Sleeping Beauty but it has absolutely nothing to do with Elliot's love it's because yeah. his hive mind People <laughs> have returned and are in such a proximity that he's come back to life. I, I think for me, if I was six years old and watching it, it would I'd be like, I don't care. A true love's kiss has brought you back to life. It's, That's perfect. Yeah, sure. it's it's the most manipulative manipulative film in history. Yeah. And I Although love the way I it works agree on with me. What, Alex, what you're saying, the death scene, if, if my kids were watching it for the first time and they were crying and it's 20 minutes in, I would be furious because it's like, stop doing this to them. But everything else has got such a long setup that it kind of slots in. If he, if everything else was like, quick, 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 let's do this. And then the death was 20 minutes, I'd be really cross. But it kind of makes sense because yeah. everything yeah. is quite slow. And, and, and then he speeds it up with the flower blooming, the heart beaming, and then him unzip, unzipping the bag and him saying, E.T. Von home. Oh, here's what I wanted to ask you. So as much as I felt I knew about this film before I'd even seen it, I didn't know that E.T. died. So does that mean that it actually, all kids that I knew were like, it was gone from their brain in the same way that I, you know, do you remember um, uh, My Girl? Mm. So that's the film that made me cry my Mm -hmm. face off when I was young. Everybody knows that Macaulay Culkin dies because it just... Oh, geez, spoiler. (laughs) Oh, don't, don't. I've never seen My Girl, but I remember hearing about the death. And you know when you think a death mm. must be like really horrific because of what you've heard. It is quite bad. Is it? It gets all, bees. That's what I heard. I was like, <laughs> death by bees? Oh, yeah, it is death by bees. They come for him. In my memory, they cover his whole face and he's like, ah! Oh, my God. Yeah, but I, that could be a childish embellishment. Or it could be Dr. Fibes. <laughs> Um, but what I was going to ask you is that maybe either everyone that I grew up with is like just cancel that death because it was so horrific. It's not part of the law that I that to me hasn't like come down the years. I think it's because him like the end, the action packed end, yeah. the chase on the BMXs and all of that is so such a release, yeah. right? That you ha- you do yeah. just think about that. But I think the point is he doesn't stay dead. Yes, but Macaulay Culkin does, and that's why that's become. Well, becomes I've that been quite um, cold <laughs> about the bees. This. It's the Nicholas Cage. <laughs> it's a bit like that. Yeah, <laughs> not the bees. <laughs> bees. <laughs> oh, don't. Uh, but anyway, when Elliot is like really chuffed, I just, it, my ice cold heart melted. I was like, mm. this film got me. Like as a full grown up, I was like, okay, no, uh, I'm not crying. You're crying. And it's amazing watching all that stuff be shot because Spielberg's just off camera, just guiding him through the whole thing. And he is step by step getting that performance out of this kid. Yeah. And it's just amazing. Yeah. Um. Anyway, so we're off. Here comes the spaceship. 
Now, did I mishear? Or does E.T. ask Elliot to come with him? Does he say, no. come? Are you sure? Okay. Oh, no. sorry. Actually, you might no, be he, right. He, he tells him that he'll be right here in, yeah. his, in his head. Prior to that, though, does he not say, come with me? Do you know what? I think I have I have this memory as well. Yeah, he does. No, sorry. He does. He asks Elliot to come. Yeah. Which I didn't quite get. I thought, well... He asks Elliot to come and E.T. asks him to stay. No. Elliot asks E.T. to stay. E.T. asks Elliot to come on yeah. the spaceship. Yeah. Which is yeah. mad. Yes. Uh, unless, yeah. you know, they'd already seen a, an early cut of Cocoon. And he <laughs> uh, was like, you can live out here. <laughs> yeah. Or it's the ending of Close Encounters, isn't it? Where Dreyfus does go on the spaceship yeah, and leave sure. with them. But afterwards. he's a little kid, and then your mum's just there, like, don't she hears you saying, "Come with me." I wanted, I wanted Elliot to go or Et to stay. Uh, yeah, Et stays. He dies. We've done that. Elliot goes. I mean, can he? Yes, eat but their I was food? a, I was a five-year-old kid. That's what I'm saying. This is sort of, this is where my brain was at. Yeah. No, I, I want him to stay with his family, which is, is right <laughs> yes. and proper. Um, because you'd hope your own children would do that. You'd be like, bye! <laughs> See ya. <laughs> See ya. That was lovely. See ya, mum. <laughs> Inadvertent commas. I've got a few notes. Don't do it again. Um, but anyway. if, I, if I, those things happened, I wouldn't have been able to write E.T. to Son of E.T. Wouldn't have, wouldn't have worked as well. <laughs> so you, me- you mentioned the sequel at the start. Do you want to talk about your sequel Please. or their sequel first? Please do. Um, have you finished talking about E.T.? That's it, big hug, emotional goodbye. The dog says goodbye, which I thought was thoughtful because they did have beef, so it was nice that the dog said goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God, that bit earlier with the dog where it sort of goes for E.T. Yeah. So on, on Sunday, a friend brought their dog round, and I'm like, okay, Simon, I know it's another male dog. Okay. It has been done. But I'll square so, up to him. So have you. <laughs> and uh, he just terrorised him. He's like... Simon terrorised the other dog. Yeah, because it's the flat and he's like, it's my place. Yeah. And like you think eventually he'll just get bored of it. But he just <laughs> like, if the other dog moves, he stands over and goes, what the... What the fuck? Why do you need to move? You stay still, I'll leave you moved. So I'm back in your face. <laughs> Don't move. It was just, it's just embarrassing. Oh, it's a shame that you can't be like, oh my God, you're here. So nice to see you. Water, can I get everything biscuits? Yeah, and who's to blame? Me, obviously. <laughs> Why are you I, I don't know. I've somehow created a monster. An aggro dog. Yeah. <laughs> He's not when he's out. It's just in the flat. It's Whereas like... you're the opposite. When you're out, you're a fucking nightmare. In the house, you're lovely. Calm as you like. <laughs> you're yeah. That is so true. I'm not being funny. That is true. <laughs> when you're in your own house, you are so relaxed. What do you mean I'm aggro when I'm out? <laughs> that is such a generalisation. We have been out and I have not been in a uh, comments aggro. Argumentative. <laughs> You're just a different beast when you're at home. I like to debate. <laughs> it's healthy to debate. Uh, did you watch the deleted scene with Harrison Ford? No, I've read about it. Mm. Is he a teacher? Yeah, the he's, the head, he's the yeah. principal. Um, and it's quite a funny scene, but it would have taken you out of the film, especially, you know, having Harrison Ford in it, it's very distracting. And yeah. also that would have been, until Keys uh, is revealed, that would have been, I imagine, an earlier scene at the school. And that would have meant Harrison Ford was the only parent Adult, sorry, whose yeah. face we saw you other do than Dee Wallace. You don't see his face in the scene. Uh, you just know the voice. Oh, okay. um, in the book version of that scene, at the end of it, uh, he swallows a bunch of quaaludes, the principal. What? Uh, they, <laughs> what? Uh, I've they, never wanted to read a book as much. They, it sounds uh, they, brilliant. They mentioned that his predecessor was a sexual offender. <laughs> uh, sorry, um, what is this book? Are uh, you sure? In the Did book. your parents <laughs> give you a book and they just replaced the cover with E.T.'s novelisation? No, I bought this about five years ago. Uh, in the book, uh, E.T. can chat with vegetables. A green bean tells him where Elliot lives. A tomato tells him not to be scared of the dog. 
and an artichoke advises ET to peer through a kitchen window to better see how humans communicate. This, even this is even outside like the LSD revolution when they wrote this. So <laughs> what on earth? He calls Mary. So he's got a big thing for Mary, the mum. He calls her the willow creature. He watches her sleep at one point. She was a goddess, the most beautiful thing you'd ever seen. Her closed eyes like the sleeping butterflies upon the night blooming narcissus. Her lips the petals of Columbine. Um, he says, would she want an extraterrestrial in the shower with her? Standing ankle deep on duck feet and staring up at her with bulging and beseeching eyes. I'm just horrified. <laughs> Could he, a single alien, implode the entire a single, Earth? Single, I like that. <laughs> As in, he hasn't got a girlfriend. <laughs> he also worries about going nuclear and he worries that his body contains an atomic secret that would implode the entire Earth. Well, it's a very well. strange book. It really is. Is you it, know, when, is it you good, ever... though? I mean, would you recommend it? I was. I was entertained and I got an article out of it so I got I got paid as well so you got paid as well so everybody got paid <laughs> yeah the author got paid apart from Ron Cobb <laughs> no he got paid he got paid um, but the sequel uh, that Melissa Matheson wrote with Steven Spielberg The Treatment 10 page treatment was called ET2 Nocturnal Fears <laughs> um, I'll give you just a little bit of an overview It's it starts the next summer and the kids are lonely without E.T., but it sort of bonded the siblings. Apparently, in the interim, Dad's come back and filed for divorce, then left again for New Mexico. Uh, Mary's dating Keys now. I thought that was there at yeah. the end, and I felt happy for it, Mary, because you could do a lot worse yeah. in your state as yeah. well. And Keys has chosen to pursue medicine and science instead of what he was doing, thanks to E.T., but he's worried that E.T. has made the kids dream too much. Anyway, aliens land, and they're bloody evil, and they're carnivorous uh, albino faction of... The ET group, commanded by a, an evil uh, alien called Corel. They've got yellow hearts, these ones. They're at war with ET's group and they're searching for ET who has a name. Right. Do you know what his name is? Buddy. Ian. <laughs> <laughs> Zrek. Oh, okay. Zrek. Nice. Uh, Elliot sent, sent something wrong, goes to the forest, and basically the aliens all end up capturing the kids, all the, all the kids return, including the mates, and they just they um, torture them and experiment on them right. and sort of use mind control on them. Yeah. And then it ends with E.T. sort of bursting in and saving the day, which doesn't seem sound that much like E.T. No. Did he learn nothing from <laughs> Night Skies? It's like you've just made the right version of that movie and yep. now you're like... You know, there's something in that night sky. <laughs> Can't let it go. And, and then it has exactly the same ending with with them all. Et sort of sends the baddies off in one direction, and then he leaves on another ship, and they all have a tearful goodbye. And it's just like I don't know what the point of this was. Don't know. And they didn't make it, so okay. yeah, for the best. So there probably wasn't a point. Right then, are we done? Believe so, Chris. Mm -hmm. Well, any? Do you want to tell us a bit more about Son oh, of oh, Et? Oh, sorry, Son of Et. Do you want to pitch it? So Et's son um, comes to Earth. And E.T.'s in trouble and needs help. And there's crystals that will save his life that can only be found on Earth. Yep. So he teams up, E.T.'s son teams up with Elliot's son nice. and Elliot and they go find the crystals, take him back and save E.T. I mean, I was about seven. It's, there's nothing wrong with it, Chris. It's pretty, it's really, it's it's pretty basic. It's, there's nothing wrong with it. And it's, it's definitely no worse. Room. It's got you in the room <laughs> and we are here and we're listening. And it's definitely no worse than Nocturnal Fears. <laughs> <laughs> well, I really like it. Um, write it up. Thank you. What was your best scene, Chris? Uh, when the music kicks in and the bikes fly over the oh, agents, like it just makes my heart sore. I think I first time watch. I think it's good because of the music. It's the music. Yeah, I'm does not all denying the heavy that. I'm not there. denying that. No, the visual's lovely as well, though. Of the bike flying in front of the moon and then the sun. It's a, it's a, it's a really lovely visual as well. Yeah. What about you? Um, I mean, easy getting drunk is pretty funny. But <laughs> you e just said you hated that scene. <laughs> no, love that scene. Okay. And et. I mean, for me, it's et dying. The whole 15 slash 20 minutes, that whole sequence of him on his way out, 
that's the point at which this film I, I bought into it and and it wasn't I didn't feel it it disguised its manipulation a little better than other moments in it where I was like Ugh, but this maybe because it wears you down because it goes on for so long by the end I was like when he comes back to life at the very end of that sequence it has earned that in my respect yeah mine is when E.T. comes back to life because I didn't cry mm. when he was ill because I resisted it and I was like swallowing this cry and then I realised when Elliot is happy that gave me permission to cry because mm. everything was fine and I cried my eyes out on a train to Hereford amazing <laughs> I'm so happy I'm so it happy it so got bad you because I did I was just like I was trying to do my makeup and I was like fucking hell fuck this film <sighs> awful. awful amazing though and I'm glad, it's, I'm glad it still has that power. Definitely. Because it's, yeah, well, MVW, let me just do mine because it's because of Henry Thomas. Like, it, so since we started doing this podcast, I've become a little bit obsessed with him because I didn't know, you know, I hadn't seen E.T. And then I like him in Doctor Sleep. I know you two weren't keen, but I did like him. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in Gerald's Game, I think he's just phenomenal. Good, like, yeah. it's such a difficult part and it's, you know, it's quite far away from Elliot. <laughs> so um, <laughs> to see where it started... And as a 40-year-old watching it, I just, and with kids that age, it's just amazing. And also the film, I, you know, E.T. is a puppet as a thing. It works now, but it's like you said, Alex, you might not have known that at the time. So it does live or die by the kids. They're, all the kids are really good, but he's just, he's just unbelievable. The only time E.T. doesn't work is when he added CG in 20 years later. Right. That's the only time E.T. looks <laughs> fake. Yeah. Uh, what's yours, Alex? Uh I mean, there are so many important cogs uh, in this mm. machine. So close contenders are obviously Spielberg, um, getting those reactions from the kids. Uh, the kids themselves, big shout out to Drew, Drew Barrymore, who are just like the minute she says goodbye to E.T. is so affecting. John Williams' score, this would be half the movie without that score. Mm. But I'm giving it to Carlos Rombaldi uh, for mm. designing E.T. And indeed, as a wider net, everyone involved in the different facets of bringing that creature to life because, I, 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 as I said earlier, I, I, you wouldn't think it would work and yet it is just the most amazing creation that you stop thinking about it as a puppet while yeah. you're watching this movie. What about you? I think I mentioned it on the Rocky episode when... Stallone said 80% of the success of Rocky was down to the music. Mm. And I think I'm going to say the same thing here. It's got to be John Williams. I love the score. I bought the score and it just, it's transcendent. It's its a stunning piece of work. Yeah, agreed. Uh, what would you change, Alex? So I got quite a big one. Mm. I don't think E.T., and I know you mentioned this as like just an incredible moment. I don't think E.T. should levitate Elliot's bike and have it fly past the moon at that point in the movie because I think it weakens the bit where the bikes levitate in the chase later. I think you should get an idea that E.T. can levitate stuff. And I think it should be a big moment, like Gertie wanders into the road and E.T. levitates her out of the way of a vehicle. But in doing that, it weakens him and he can't do it anymore and he starts to die and it sort of accelerates that weakening process. And then later... When his friends come back and he gets all his energy back and the heart reappears, then you're sort of like, ooh, I wonder what he can levitate now. And sure enough, in the chase, out of the blue, you've not seen it before in the movie, Bosch levitates all the kids' bikes. That's the first time you see it as a kid, bikes flying, and your mind is blown. 
So I think the first levitation kills the second. I'd save it for the second. I really agree with you. I hadn't thought about it that much until watching it this time. The fact that they do that they do the same image twice and the same trick twice does lessen it that second time. And I didn't know which one to pick. I wanted to pick cycling, and it, it was because of the tension of that moment. I'd um, swap out the sun for the moon. I'd keep the moon so Amblin can have their image for the rest <laughs> of time. And so I'd use the moon second time round. Mm. But yeah, agreed. I, you know, I agree with you. What would you change? That. Um, <laughs> I wrote down something that I would actually change now because I've done my research, but I'd ri- originally written make E.T. less gooey. I said it looks like he's crawled out of the shunting in society. Oh. Come on. <laughs> but I now I know he's bad. a vegetable man. I, I don't care. I don't change anything. It's fine. So this is my change. Uh, when all the kids are on the bikes running away and they've got men who are trained to shoot to kill with guns on them, they all need a fake alien in a fake basket kind of thing. So that the the men are like, fuck, we don't know which is the real alien, which is the fake alien. So we can't massacre eight, however, what are there six of them? We can't massacre all these kids. And then it's like, we should split up. Why would that work? They'll just shoot you. <laughs> like You're the one with the basket that's got an alien in it. Do you see what I mean? Oh, you mean fake aliens? Yeah, like yeah. They, they've, they, they, they've Set it yeah, up earlier. Right. Guys, I need your help. This mm. is a Steven Spielberg movie. So saying, guys, I need your help will 100% work. Mm. And then cut to, they're all in there. They're ready. They're like, the team has mm. assembled and they've all got a little creature shrouded in a blanket borrow in the that, basket. Borrow that Yoda bloke. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my God, exactly. Yeah. yeah. And then they've never done it before as well. We 100%. can combine our changes. We, we've, just, we've just improved ET <laughs> by <laughs> quite but some margin. Said, Actually, have. No, and that's why I said it. Yeah, but we're not even joking. Stephen. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> Writers' room again. We could get. We could be making some money. So, from that. Stephen, uh, if you've heard uh, what we've just said about mm-hmm. the change, mm-hmm. and you combine that with Son of ET, <laughs> we'll be waiting for your call. Forever. Well, call, I for- call me. I, f- <laughs> I forgot to say. We're doing it because it's the 40th anniversary of ET this week. Yeah. The 20th anniversary, he added the CGI. 40th anniversary, make our changes. 100%. <laughs> why not? It's easy peasy. You just CGI some fake aliens in baskets. Done. And yours also. <sighs> right. Uh, yes, good. Done. Are you sure? Uh, you, yeah. you took a little breath there. Sorry, I just saw something else in my notes that I'd highlighted and I never do that, but it was just an accident. Okay, great. We are done then. That is E.T. So next week, let's look ahead to... Oh, actually, I forgot because we didn't do one last week. Uh, Is it making a return or has your week away made you realise that actually the quiz makes people sad? (laughs) That's why I like it. Okay, Sad and angry. Crash of the titles. Oh, fucking hell. They're in order this time. Okay. So the first half of the sentence is the first movie. The second half is the second movie. Well, that helps. It does. A woman makes her way up the career ladder while hiding the giant creature drawn on her back. Wording, working, working girl, girl with, with the dragon, dragon tattoo. tattoo. We have to both get that. We have to because we said it at the same time. You both get a point. <laughs> well played. Well played. Oh my god. Um, Batman fights zombies in 1968. Uh, uh, wait. Uh, oh shit. Does it work like that way? Have you done it right? <laughs> yes. Dawn of the Dead Justice. No. Dawn of Justice the Dead. <laughs> no, it's a Nolan movie. The Dark Knight of the Living Dead. No. Correct. But it's a different spelling. You can't have that. They're all different spellings. It's, no, it's about not. the word. Ready? A trio of new dads moonlight by transporting robbers away from bank heists. Three men and a little baby driver. 
<laughs> that's really good. He's invented really a baby driver. Correct. That's he got brilliant. it wrong. He got it wrong, but he got it right. No, that's brilliant. Uh, a whale finds a golden ticket. Free Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Correct. Jesus Christ. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. I, I can't compete, and I say that respectfully this time, because that's amazing. Uh, Sandra Bullock and Keanu Reeves murder a fashion designer. Oh, I don't know what that movie... Uh... What? <laughs> murder a fashion designer. It's... It's... It's one of the least... Oh, um... I'm, I... <laughs> One of the least. Lake House of Gucci. Correct. Oh. Yay! Yay! Yeah, <laughs> well played. Uh, the president fights a bunch of spotty dogs on his plane. Um. Oh, Air Force. Yeah. Air Force 101 Dalmatians. <laughs> Correct. Don't say it out loud until you got it. Well played, Alex. You're welcome. Four two. Well played. Woo. Four, four three and a half, probably right, something yeah. like that. Uh, yeah. Definitely, you like get three and a half. Yeah, two it's, or whatever. It, it's fine. I mean, oh, I gave you a full point for that. Oh, did you? I gave you both a point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, a little bit of charity. Look, when I'm it? when I'm really bested, I can handle it. Okay. The free Willy Wonka. That was incredible. That was lightning fast. There's nothing I can do about that. You deserve. You deserve it. Thanks very much. Yeah. And we're all happy for once. Yeah. I'm less happy than you are. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> I'm muggins over there. <laughs> I feel happy, brilliant. therefore everyone must yeah. feel happy. We're all the same, aren't Such we? A lack yeah, of we're all the same. Such a lack of empathy. <laughs> <laughs> all right, then. Now let's talk about next week as a way of moving on and ending the show. So it's my choices next mm. week. Um, Do you know what we're doing? I hope so. It's the one where Vicky's away. Yes. Um, Great. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, yes, so I do know what we're doing because okay. I've written it in Vicky's Away. So, uh, mm-hmm. But I've also written down the movies we're doing. This has got longer than I intended. <clears> the <throat> clue is we are going to find something terrifying. Mm. We are going to find something terrifying. Oh, that's a good clue. Isn't it? Very good. Very happy with that. Very happy with that. Right then, that is us done. So please, uh, if you have enjoyed today's episode, uh, subscribe to us wherever you get your pods, Apple, Spotify or indeed other. That would be lovely. And keep in touch with us on Twitter at ClashPod and Instagram at ClashPod, where you can see little highlights, video highlights from the show using the wonderful cameras we have in the studio. So that's where to go. Some of them are on Twitter, some of them are on Instagram. Find them wherever you like. Right then, we are back on Thursday, seeing if the Iron Giant stands a chance against E.T. Speak to you then. This was a Stack Production and part of the Acast Creator Network.